Today we are back in the book of Acts. Finally back in the book of Acts. Turn to Acts 25 if you're home or wherever you are. And we're in the book of Acts here. And don't forget the theme of Acts is victory no matter what. Through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power. Thank you. Thank you. Power of the Holy Spirit. Marty's not here to really give us a shout there. But uh, Marty, I know you're watching. But the power of the Holy Spirit and victory no matter what. And boy, do we need this, right? Uh, with all that's going on in our world, all going on in our church. Here we are uh, going on in our lives. I'm sure we can all relate to this, but we, we have to focus that we can have the victory no matter what is going on through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're at Paul's third trial. We already did the first two, right? We already saw his trial with Governor Felix. Then we saw Governor Festus. And now we are on the third trial today with King Agrippa. All right, the King Agrippa. And the title for today is The World Doesn't Get It, But We Do. The world doesn't get it, but we do. Acts 25, 13 to 27. And I'm going to start off with uh, 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 Elvis sightings. Remember when there were Elvis sightings? Some of you old enough remember when he passed away. It was really sad, you know, tragic, you know, the way that he died. But, um, but remember after he died, people said, he's not dead. You know, the conspiracy conspiracy theories didn't start now. They started long ago. And remember, people would see Elvis, and they see Elvis, and we saw him. And I used to go to my grandma's house. I was a kid, you know. And, and she got the, these Inquirer magazines. I think it was called the National Inquirer. You know, and they would have all these wild stories. And, and I used to read them thinking they were true, maybe. You know, I was a kid, you know. And I remember reading, and there's another, every week there was another Elvis sighting. But he looked different. He got a lot chubbier, uh, even than he was. He And he, he got bald. They had bald Elvises, and they these people that are like, that can't be Elvis. Like, That's definitely Elvis. I talked to him and confronted him, and blah 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 blah. So, all, so some people still believe Elvis is still alive. Uh, but we're going to see today a story of someone who died and really is alive. And do you believe it? Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for everyone who's able to be here, but also for the many that are able to be here uh, live stream. And, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us through your word. We pray your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up. I'm going to read it off the screen here. Uh, Starting with verse 13, Acts 25. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their Respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, there is a man here whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. I told them that it's not the Roman custom to hand over anyone before they had faced their accusers and had an opportunity to defend themselves against the charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. I was at a loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. But when Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. 
He replied, tomorrow you will hear him. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with high-ranking military officers and the prominent men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found that he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he had made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write For I think it unreasonable to send a prisoner on to Rome without specifying the charges against him. Okay, this is a very interesting passage here. Festus is the new governor, uh, the new Roman governor, okay? So when there's a new Roman governor, it's customary for local dignitaries to visit. And that's why King Agrippa is showing up to to visit him. Uh, King Agrippa is king of the northern Palestine. He's a Roman puppet, all right? King Herod... King Herod Agrippa was his real name. King Herod Agrippa II. Now we're connecting some dots here, right? He is the last of the Herods. The last of the Herods. And we've seen their sad, bad history all throughout the New Testament, haven't we? Uh, we'll talk about that more in just a minute. He brings his, his sister, Bernice, with him. Why would he be bringing his sister, Bernice, with him? Well, that's what a lot of people wondered. Oh, the, 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 the prevailing belief in uh, the, the Roman world was that he was living in incest with his sister Bernice. And if you know anything about the Herods, you know that's very easy to believe, isn't it? So, Festus consults Agrippa. Hey, I'm new around here. I need some advice, uh, especially in Paul's case. And Agrippa is also interested in meeting Paul. Agrippa was in charge of the Jewish affairs. He was in charge of the Jewish religious affairs. He, uh, King Agrippa knew all about Jesus. He knew about Paul. He knew about all about Jesus, as we'll see next week when we get to Paul's defense. And, and uh, <clears throat> he wants to know what's going on with us. He wants to know all about it. And don't forget, the Herods have a murderous history when it comes to Christians, don't they? Who's the first one we saw them kill? I'm putting these guys on the spot. John the Baptist was the first one, right? John the Baptist. And then we also saw he was in on, on killing. He beheaded John the Baptist. One of the Herods. One of the Herods beheaded John the Baptist, right? And then another Herod was involved in the crucifixion of Jesus, the cross, right? And then, uh, and then also a Herod was involved in... I'm just connecting Herods. I'm not going to outline all the different Herods and the relations, but I'm just saying Herods, Herods, Herods. The, another one we saw in the book of Acts. He killed... James with a sword, right? Uh, that was a, a Herod killed James, and I, I'm going to connect them all. There's lots of different Herods here, right? But he killed James. So the, the Herods are involved in a lot of, they're the, the hitmen of the New Testament, right? And we, and oh, and I almost forgot, one tried to kill baby Jesus, right? Kill baby Jesus. We just did the Christmas story. So I should have, how could I forget that one? Whenever you see the word Herod, there's usually a, a hit out and they're trying to kill somebody, one of God's people. Okay. That's a Herod, right? So we all, he also had heard a lot about Jesus resurrection. How would he have heard about Jesus resurrection? He's in charge of the Jewish affairs. 
and, and that had, it was all and the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ had swept Israel. It was sweeping the Roman world. He was an expert on religious matters. He controlled the temple treasury. He controlled who the high priest was. He got an airful of it all. He knew all about it, which we're going to see next week once again. So Festus parades Paul out before King Agrippa II. And many big shots, many, many big shots. All the political big shots were there. All the celebrities were there. They all got the golden ticket. We were joking about golden ticket earlier. Uh, they, were, they all got the golden ticket. And what's interesting about this is all these bigwigs, uh, let's name them. Who are these bigwigs that were there? We don't know. <laughs> we, we, we have no idea. They are forgotten. The, 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 the big shots, the, they are forgotten. Uh, even who are even, most of you didn't even remember, you know, Agrippa was here, King Herod Agrippa the second. We don't know, we, who cares? Who remembers them, right? Who remembers Governor, uh, you know, Festus? Who remembers them? Nobody. But this dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive, is still going strong, isn't he? And the Apostle Paul is still going strong. We're, we're re, you know, reading all about him today, 2,000 years later. It, it's just interesting, isn't it? Now, they thought they were trying to figure out the charges against Paul, which there were no charges. They were trying to come up with something, make something up to, to come up with charges, right? There were, there were none. But they thought they were trying to figure out the charges against Paul. But really, they were the ones on trial. They were the ones on trial before God. And also, they were not also only on trial, but they were fulfilling prophecy in Paul's purpose. Remember, they're fulfilling the purpose that he was going to appear before the Gentiles and their kings in order to, to, to preach the gospel, to share Jesus Christ. So they all think they got Paul in a corner, but they're the ones in the corner. They're fulfilling God's purpose. They're fulfilling prophecy with this very thing. Now, next week, we're going to look at Paul's defense. Don't miss next week. It's wild. Paul's defense in Acts 26. But today, I just want to zero, and I could not get past one verse in this passage, a key comment that Festus makes in Acts 25, 19. In Acts 25, 19, he, he's talking to Griffin. He says he's trying to figure out the charge. He says instead they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. Isn't that interesting? He he. He didn't understand what the, the what was going on. He didn't understand what the argument was. He said it's about their own religion. The Greek word actually means superstition. About their own superstition. That's what he saw this whole thing as was superstition. You know, that's all he, you know, that's what he considered the Jewish monotheism because the Romans worshiped all the gods, even the emperor got, even the Caesar, the emperor got worship. <clears throat> so to have, to believe in monotheism, monotheism, you were like a cult. You were a, you know, this was crazy. You were, this was superstition. And the conspiracy theories about this dead Jesus still being alive, talk about, you know, superstition, right? So that's how he saw it, this, their own religion and about a dead man Jesus whom God, Paul claimed was alive. It, he just saw that as a superstition, the same as he saw the monotheism. monotheism. And the, the, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see from this verse, was the focal point of Paul's witness and preaching. That's all he got out of it. All he got out of talking to Paul, all Felix got out of it, all he got out of it was, no, there's this dead guy named Jesus who Paul, he says still alive. That's the whole reason why he's here. That's the whole reason why he's in trouble. That's all, all he keeps talking about. The, the whole focus of Paul's witness 
and preaching was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it should be ours too, right? It should be the whole focus. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff. It's all about Jesus' resurrection. All through Acts, we see, as we've studied through Acts, we're on chapter 25 finally, but all through we've seen the apostles. What do they focus on? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is Paul focused on? What is he hammered away at? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what freaked Felix out, remember? Scared him, freaked Felix out. That that's what baffled Festus, and and it's going to rock Agrippa's world, as we're going to see next week. It's going to rock his his world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Book of Acts is what turned the world upside down. Remember that 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 sermon? It's what turned the world upside down. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the whole point. It's the whole point. It's because of what it proves. In Romans 1, 4, what it proves. And it says, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proved he was God's son. I remember getting a Christmas card many years ago, and it says, what's the difference between Christmas and Buddhist and Mohammed and Confucius and And I open up the card and Easter. Easter. They're all dead. Jesus is alive. It proved he was the son of God. And not only what it proved, but what it accomplished for us. In Romans 4.25, I'm going to be in Romans a lot today. The little, darn little bugs are swarming me. Did they get you guys too? So anyway, I like to kill flies. If I do this, I'm not clapping at you. I'm killing a, a bug. All right. So anyway, uh, what he what it accomplished too he was delivered over to sit, to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification that's what it accomplished he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification that's the, that's what it accomplished for us he died for our sins he died for our sins. He took our punishment. That's the first thing that happened with the cross. He took our punishment. Yeah, you've been following these tragic events in Memphis. We were actually just talking about that. Just so sad. But but the, the, this guy who was beaten to death, and, and it's a horrible, horrible story. For, for There's no winners or losers. It's just one big, huge loss for all of us. It was horrible. But what Jesus did is let's imagine that that man who was beaten to death by the police deserved it. Let's say he did something so horrible that he deserved what he got. That's us. We deserve the ultimate punishment. We deserve hell. We deserve it. But Jesus took our beating. He took our punishment. What we deserved, he took on himself by dying a tortured death on the cross. We should have all been on that cross. But he took our beating. He took our beating. And he also took our guilt in the process. Imagine these five policemen who are in a, a lot of trouble. It's just going to be horrible, right? Imagine if these five people were somehow set free. Imagine somehow someone came forward and said, I will take their punishment. Let them go. Can you imagine how, how amazing that would be for the condemned people? I know it caused a lot of other issues, but but can you imagine the? Oh yeah, got one. There we go. Uh, grew up on a farm. But anyway, the uh, the uh, imagine they imagine being set. Imagine we are guilty of beating someone to death, and we're going to face the consequences. But somebody somehow sets us free. 
That's exactly what Jesus did. We all deserve hell eternally. Every one of us deserves that. But Jesus took our punishment. He set us free. We're like these condemned policemen now. And he, he set us free. Remember Barabbas? Pilate gave him the choice. You can have this murderer Barabbas or you can have Jesus. They said, give us Barabbas. Jesus took his place. Let that murderer. Barabbas murdered lots of people. He was a terrorist. Horrible. But yet he was set free because Jesus took his place. But that's a picture of every one of us. We were all set free. All set free by Jesus Christ. He took all of our places. And, and what he did, and we see here in Romans 4.25, justified. It was raised to life for our justification. Justifi- justification. Justified. Just as if I never sinned. That's what Jesus accomplished by his death and resurrection. He made it possible for us to go free. To live just as if we never sinned. His death paid for the sin and the resurrection gives us the chance. With something we got to do gives us the chance to be justified. The resurrection of Jesus proved he was God's son. And if we put our faith in him, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it, we can be justified just as if we never sinned. But there has to be a time when we say, God, I believe Jesus died on that cross in my place for my sin. And I believe he can set me free. And I give my life to him. We put our faith in him. When we do that, we we are justified. And now that we are justified, this is huge. Now that we're justified, we have the resurrection power. The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have that same resurrection power now inside of us. Incredibly. We have that resurrection power through the Holy Spirit who now is living in us. That's a whole point of the book of Acts, right? We have that resurrection power. In us. First Corinthians 1, 6 to 9. I've been focusing on this a lot lately. This has been a, really a verse for our church. But look, look, follow the, the thread. I'm going to go to the end of it now. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You follow it all the way to the end? We are washed. We, we, we now have the Holy Spirit, resurrection power because we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified through Jesus Christ uh, in the name of by putting our faith in uh, the name of Christ and by the Holy Spirit's power. We were sanct. We were all that happened in our life. We were washed, sanctified and justified, which we were just talking about, just as if we never sinned. Sanctification. We talk about sanctification, though. I want to stress this. Sanctification is immediate. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are sanctified. You are set apart. You are seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms immediately. That's our positional sanctification. But sanctification in the Bible is two different things. There's positional and there's practical. And the practical sanctification is something 
different. It's a, it's a lifelong progressive sanctification. It's a lifelong process. It starts the moment you are born again. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're born again, you, you begin not just being set apart sanctified, but you begin your progressive sanctification, your lifelong sanctification. It starts that very second and it continues until your last breath, your last Heartbeat. That progressive sanctification keeps going. And we just saw that list in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. We still have to battle these things. We have sins and strongholds that we, we've been forgiven for. We've been justified. But the old man, we've got to keep fighting. got to keep putting him to death daily. Romans uh, 7. We have to keep doing that. But, but it's a lifelong process. We have to keep fighting those sins. Keep breaking strongholds. And there will be many shameful defeats in the process. There will be many accusations from the enemy in the process. There will be many of these. We've been falling on our faces. There's many of those. But Jesus Christ knows exactly what we are going through. And he is pulling for us. He is interceding for us. He is cheering us on. That's what he, that's what he's doing. In Hebrews 4, 14, it says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. He understands. He gets it. He knows how weak we are. He knows how we struggle. He understands the power of sin. He understands that. And, but, but he's there interceding for us. The Bible talks about it over and over how he's interceding for us. And the Father is also waiting for us. Because Jesus is making the way to the Father anytime we need to come to him. The Father is waiting for us no matter what we're doing. No matter what we've done. No matter how bad we've messed up. No matter uh, we've screwed up a th- the thousandth time or the two ten thousandth time. He, 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 God is still waiting for us because Jesus is making that way. In fact, in verse 16, Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's why no matter what, we can still Go to God in confidence, the Father in confidence through the Son, through His Son Jesus Christ, and find mercy and grace. Mercy being forgiveness, and grace being strength to get back on our feet and keep on fighting. That the, the 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 strength to keep on going, and we we must go to the throne of grace for God's mercy and grace. We have to keep on doing that, continually going to the throne of grace for God's mercy and grace coming through Jesus Christ. And if we do this continually, if we don't quit, if we don't quit, anybody ever tempted to quit? <laughs> Not since five minutes ago, right? All right. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 talks about this very thing. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with 
perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to persevere in going to fighting these battles. We have to persevere going to God's mercy and grace. We have to persevere going to Jesus who understands it, who gets us. We have to persevere. And if we do that, I have a guarantee for you. If you do that, something shocking happens. We change. It's progressive sanctification. We wake up one day, and if you live long enough, you understand what I'm talking about. We wake up one day, and we realize that the trials, that the temptations, that the spiritual battles are bearing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And we, we are living proof. Living proof. I look back and I think, was that even me? Did I really think those things and do those things and, you know, wrestle with these things? Now I got new things to wrestle with. Yeah. But, you know, it's new things. Because the onion's got to be peeled. The onion's got to be peeled. Keep peeling the layers. But, but you look back and you say, I, I can't believe it. That, that God really did that, 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 that brought me through this. But we are living proof of the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We are living proof. When we go to the mercy and grace, the throne of grace for God's mercy and grace, when we persevere, when we keep on fighting, we don't give up. All, we look back and we, you can't measure our life by like what happened yesterday or what happened today or, you know, you know what, what, what I'm struggling with. You have to look back and see that. I tell people all the time, when you're in the trenches, it's so easy to get discouraged. But look how, what you were like. 20 years ago when you became a Christian. Look at the difference. I tell people all the time, I see the difference. They're upset, discouraged. I see the difference. It's awesome. And and we forget about that. We're living proof of the power of the, of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you get discouraged, we have to remember what God has brought us through. We have to remember that. I, there's a great song. Uh, at night, Laurel and I have this whole bedtime routine. She watches the Bible videos. We're on Superbook now. I love Superbook. And, uh, and we watch the Superbook, but then we go to the music to end with. And, and uh, she loves to watch the, the Big Daddy Wee video songs. You know, she loves that, which we just sang the one. We, we always start with, though, we always start with I've Been Redeemed. That's her favorite. I've Been Redeemed. we got to watch Big Daddy Wee sing. I've Been Redeemed. And then after that, we always go right then to this is my story. That's why I love that. It's my favorite one. All right. But but uh, but the, the Big Daddy Weave, I, I know it. I'm going to read a couple of lines to you because I hear it every night because of Laurel. His redeemed song seems like all I could see was a struggle haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this going to last? Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. All my life I have been called unworthy. Named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. 
that it goes on. But, God, you're not done with me yet. And I just love that line. When we get discouraged, to remember, God's not done with us yet. And, and progressive sanctification, if we're discouraged, to go for that mercy and grace and to persevere and, and focus on that song, I've been redeemed. Play it every day. It's, it works. I listen to it every night. Maybe you're in a tough battle, and I want to encourage you to look back and remember what God has already done. See, that's the thing. You're in a tough battle now, and you feel like you can't beat this thing, but look back at what God has already given you victory over, what he's already given us victory over, and that's our encouragement. Hey, that's right. I'm now free of this. I know I have victory over this, even though I'm hit with it sometimes. I'm, I have victory over this, so I know he's going to give me victory over this if I... Go to him for mercy and grace. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Do you want a new life? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be just as if you never sinned? Do you want to be able to live, leave everything in the past and, 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 and go to the cross under the blood of Jesus Christ? You can have a new life right now. Right now, you can have a brand new life. I was reading about this guy this week in the news. Probably some of you saw him. Guy, a guy is spending $2 million to de-age by 27 years. You, do you read that story? He's 45. Uh, Brian Johnson's 45. But he wants to feel and be 18 again. That's what he wants to be, right? And so uh, he's employed 30 doctors and experts to monitor every level of his health. He's from California, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he Some of the Californians out there love it when I do that. All right. He has spent millions of dollars to track his body functions to find the blueprint for reversing aging, becoming medically younger. His lifestyle is a strict regiment meant to keep him at an optimal wellness level. Uh, he doesn't, he, he literally wants to be 18 physically. This is the latest attempt. They said it's the latest attempt from scientists and amateurs to figure out how to reverse aging and cure death. <laughs> uh, he earns, uh, I'm sorry, he eats 1,977 calorie vegan diet daily, follows an exacting exercise routine, sticks to a steadfast sleep routine. He also tracks his body relentlessly via MRIs, ultrasounds, and more invasive measures <laughs> <laughs> like blood tests and colonoscopies. This guy's nuts. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. There, there may be gene therapies in the offing, in the offing. But until, yeah, those who are over 50 know what I'm talking about. But until then, Johnson takes two dozen supplements and medicines every day and changes his body Based on monitoring and testing everything from his body fat, blood, glucose, and bowels, he applies, there's a few other things I'm not going to read, he applies cream, undergoes laser therapy, and employs electromagnetic pulses. Surprise, surprise, Johnson is super healthy. Doctors say the multimillionaire software entrepreneur lowered his biological age by at least five years, including his lung capacity of an 18-year-old. What I do may sound extreme, he tells Bloomberg, but I'm trying to prove that self-harm and decay are not inevitable. Well, I hate to tell you this, but uh, 
They still are. You're just going to put it off a little bit. But Brian, his name's Brian. I've got a better deal for you. I got a better deal for all of you. You can be born again. Born, reborn. You don't have you forget 18. You can be born again and live forever and it's free. Without any colonoscopies. It's free. It's completely free. You can do that. John 3, 3 says this. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Jesus tells us we must be born again. We must be born again. In order to enter the kingdom of God. If you've never been born again, you are not in the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And then he says in John 3, 16, exactly how to do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. By putting our faith, by leaving, the word believe in the Greek means to put, to put your, your trust in, to put your, totally depend on. It's not an intellectual, it's a heart belief. It's putting your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you, for your sin, to wash him away, to sanctify you, to justify you. It's putting our faith in Jesus. And the moment we do that, we are born again. And we must be born again because in verse 36, Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son... Whoever believes, well, I'm just going to quote it then. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. We must be born again. You, you can have that life right now. Let's pray. Have you been born again? Jesus said you must be. And there's only one way. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Have you ever believed in Jesus' death and resurrection, his death for your sins and his resurrection to justify you? You can do that right now, wherever you are, wherever you're driving, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening to. You could be in the shower. You could be anywhere listening to this and wa- or watching this. And wherever you are this very moment, it could be a year from now you're watching this. Wherever you are, you can be born again right now. And it doesn't cost $2 million. It can only be taken for free. It's a gift that you must receive. It's a turning away from the sin and the garbage that got us condemned to hell in the first place and putting your faith in Jesus who died to pay for that and rose again to prove it and to justify us. Give us a chance to live completely free through his resurrection power. You can have that right now 
by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It's probably happening in your heart this very moment. But I always encourage people to put an exclamation point on it by praying a prayer of faith, a simple prayer of faith. God, I don't want the sin anymore. I repent of my old life, my sin, my shame, the garbage. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his death and resurrection for me. I give my life to your son, Jesus Christ. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, something amazing has happened. You're in for the shock of your life. You have been born again. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. God's Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Has transformed you. Has given you a power that you never dreamed possible. Your eyes are going to be opened. Your brain went from dark to bright to light. You're going to see things and understand things you never dreamed possible spiritually. You're going to see the lies of the world clearly. You're going to be convicted of sin in a powerful way. Starting the process of progressive sanctification. Becoming like Jesus. Becoming holy. I want to encourage you to tell somebody you've taken a step of faith so that we, someone, we can encourage you and be excited for you. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Maybe you have a, someone at school, someone at work. Let me know. Give me, email me or text me. If you're not part of our church, nhcc at comcast.net. Text, email me nhcc at comcast.net and let me know because I'll encourage you and, and be excited for you and help you get started on your new life in Jesus Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how I hope today encouraged you that we have resurrection power to keep going to the throne of grace for God's mercy and grace. To keep turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I sure need your help. To keep, to keep persevering. To focus on what God has already done and not what you're falling on your face, but what God has already done. And I'm just going to close with this verse for prayer in Philippians 1.6. Where Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. I pray that for every one of us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.